Okay, Chris, I've got a question for you. This was posed by Mikey uh, via email. And the question is, would you take the pill? I feel like we've kind of wrestled with this. Um, after watching this episode, I I feel like a TB Karen and I wouldn't do it. Okay, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna even pose a different scenario. I was gonna say, say you're Doris, and your husband and your daughter are taking the pill, but you just had a baby, and you're not sure. Still not taking. No, it. and I kind of wish Doris hadn't. We'll go into that, but um, I, I, I wouldn't. Just, I mean. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll dig into that more in this when we talk about it. But like, would you, t- would you take it if you knew you would be talented? For uh, sure. If you knew for sure, which is what all these people for think sure. they are. Uh, yeah. Not, but there was. It, it was I, I wouldn't just because the trade off of like murdering people. Definitely not. <laughs> if there was a secret pill that just made you talented and like had success. Well, of course, absolutely. That sounds like the easy way to do things, especially if you're talented. But I wouldn't do it for the trade-off. Would you do it? No. I mean, you, you come to see about these people, like clearly, even the people that like seem like pretty good people, their egos all just surface. And I'd like to think, I mean, of course, it's easy for us to say without being actually in a position where that choice exists. No, we wouldn't do it. But, you know, if your daughter's whispering in your ear about fame and fortune and stuff like that, or your boyfriend slash just, like, really good friend who, you know, really believes in you and has gone to show you can make all that fame and fortune, I think it's hard to say, but I'd like to think no. I I abide by the Tupac phrase of, F the fame, just give me the money. (laughs) So if you could get the money from taking the pill, but not didn't have to worry about you could do it under. So a we're scene talking now. about just like, essentially winning like a Bell Noir. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we dive? Let's in? do it. Let's do it. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Houston. What's up, y'all? Like, how, oh my gosh, this is crazy that, like, I know it's only episode five, but it is the penultimate episode of the finale of this first segment of Double Feature, Red Tide. Woo! Tyler, how you feeling? This episode was a whirlwind, and I am excited to dig into it with you. But first of all, I want to say uh, thank you, Chris, for being here. Everyone should know that today was Chris's anniversary, and he went out to dinner for his anniversary and came back (laughs) and watched an hour and a half of American Horror Story with his wife, who doesn't normally watch the show with him. He normally, I mean, I think you and I both have partners who are not big horror fans. Correct. For the anniversary, we almost got some, like, guest commentary. Yep, I took some notes. She she ended up watching the entire episode. She's like, I'll watch like a you know the first bit and then I'll dip out and go to bed. 
but she watched the entire thing and gave me some great great notes to uh, uh that I will incorporate into our conversation this evening. Well, spoiler alert, she picked a good one to watch cuz oh a lot happened oh. in this episode Gaslight. So much to talk about before we begin. Of course, as always, we like to, you know, ask if you are interested in, you know, joining the conversation, even just messaging back and forth with us, reaching out. You can do so by emailing us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. Share your comments, share your theories, share your background, all that good stuff. And as always, you can message us or comment on our posts at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory and kind of join that community. And as always, we appreciate it when you rate us and review us uh, on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts. We sincerely appreciate that as well. Um, Before we begin, a couple quick things. First of all, uh, the main... Kind of interesting insight I wanted to call it because I kind of thought this in my head a little bit, but I appreciated this background from Rob on Facebook. He mentioned that Bell's hairdo mm-hmm. reminds him Phenomenal. it seems maybe based on the Bride of Frankenstein. Ooh, I love it. Which, yep. which I I could kind of see that, but then also I didn't get this background. He says that the director of that movie was out, and many think of it as a queer horror classic. Ooh, so it could be a very intentional homage. I love so it. I thought that was kind of cool and some good little background there. Uh, before we dive in to Gaslight, Chris, what are you drinking on this anniversary evening? I am drinking the second bottle of wine that we purchased at the restaurant because you can take it to go in Missouri. <laughs> um, Ooh. We had one bottle and then uh, we are having dessert. We're like, let's get another one at, only if we can take the rest of it to go. It is a Charles Krug from Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon year 2018. It is delicious. Fun fact, it's also where the winery that my sister, one of my sisters, uh, got married at uh, almost, it'll be 10 years in January, which is crazy, but amazing winery, we're not sponsored by them, happy to be uh, sponsored by them if Charles Krug wants to do it, but it's delicious. Tyler, what are you drinking? (laughs) Um, I am drinking a red wine, red wine is what you're drinking, right? I'm drinking a red wine as well. It's a... Italian Sangiovese, Sangiovese. I mm-hmm. don't know exactly how you say it, but it is quite tasty. I'm about yep. 10 degrees too hot right now to start drinking bourbon and cider, but I'm so eager to do it. So I'm hoping that next week we get there. I went to the grocery store um, last week and I bought the cider and I have the bourbon. It's just not, I'm just not ready yet. Even though mentally I'm there, it's just uh, uh, climate wise, it's not there yet. <laughs> Fall, where are you? Let's let this little heat wave die out and yep. get to those temperatures that uh, bring on the right beverages. Now, let's talk gaslight. Oh my god! Do you want to walk us through the cold open? This is a long episode. It's a long episode, but it's a short cold open, which I appreciated. Um, we open with Doris delivering the baby. Like we we didn't have the last episode. It was just a flashback the entire time, mostly. So that that was, and it was a great episode. Anyway, we open with Doris in the hospital delivering the baby, and Harry is there, clearly like thirsting over the blood, all the the gauze pads and stuff that are bloody. He keeps looking at them. Uh, he's asked to cut the umbilical cord, which uh, Tyler, you are going to be experiencing this very soon. <laughs> uh, Did and, you do that? Uh, I did do that. And a a hot tip, and my brother-in-law told me about this too, is when you do cut it, 
you're actually cutting through like tissue. So it's not just like a snip. Oh. It's like you're like cutting through some tissue. It's not, I don't know. It, I promise you in the moment, it's not that gross. It's, it's more just like doing it, but like knowing that, that you have to like, it's not just one snip. It's like, it's like takes two to three. Um, it's something FYI. Um, but also then like a little blood spurted out and I do not remember that happening when I did it, but also you're in this like euphoric sense of like, holy crap, I have a new human being that I'm going to walk out a hospital with, which is the weirdest feeling when you have a baby. You're like, did we just steal something? Cause we have a human, but anyway, um, but he looks at the blood spurting out of the umbilical cord and he is thirsty clearly. Um, and Doris is worried if they're going to be okay, whatever's happening. They cut, it cuts to them being back at the house and right. Oh no, 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 sorry. Not yet. Not yet. That's later. Um, she worries if they're going to be okay. He says, yes, they'll be okay. And then he takes, he sees where they're tossing the bloody, uh, cloths and linens and gauze into the basket he takes that into the bathroom and he starts draining them filling them up with cups and chugging those cups of his own child and wife's blood um he drains them he chugs them in the bathroom and then he looks in the mirror and then boom cut to the credits Man, I don't know that I have that much to add for commentary to this cold open other than that scene where he is wringing the blood from those dirty rags into the cups is so gross, but like, kind of like it's just, it's kind of an awesome scene, but I, I don't mean that in like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just well, it's just so well done and just like a horrific image that I it's I thought it was an excellent cold open and I like that they kept it short for this one but it was like impactful in that way this whole episode is again spoiler I told you this before we even saw recording but this episode is just the most jarring horrific this is what American Horror Story should be it's so good it's so dark and all like it's it's a lot but seeing a new dad do this to drink blood that the desperation of it is just jarring and i think it i think it sets the tone for the entire episode it, it, it incredible the other thing i like about it is that it's like a kind of twisted take on the concept i mean obviously this isn't the placenta but the idea of and you know some people there's like natural medicinal theories around saving the placenta and consuming the placenta, for those who don't know, the placenta is like this additional organ that is basically grown inside of pregnant pregnant women that feeds the feeds baby. The baby. Uh, and it's, you know, if you Google it, it's just like this bizarre looking thing. But like, I don't know, it, it, you haven't watched Servant yet, right? But like in that, there's a, a moment in that where, so the main, one of the main characters is a chef. And there's a scene where he like takes this placenta at this like first birthday party or something that they have for their child and he bakes it into all these cupcakes and doesn't tell people that they're eating it so they're like eating the placentas as part of the cupcakes but uh i like that it was kind of this like um nuanced or or like a different take on on um kind of this you know natural medicine concept or maybe that like you know if especially if you think of doris as like being kind of this um coming from this like upper pedigree uh you know you think like um 
upper west or upper east side new yorker type style who might be into this kind of more natural uh kind of birth type stuff um i don't know it, it kind of is all fitting and it's an interesting twist on it um i would say if if i was writing this i would do this story uh that he would wait for the placenta and just eat the placenta because that's much more like in tune with what's happening with people who want to eat placentas or want them to put into pills or grind them down and take them home to do whatever or plant it whatever they're doing but and 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 again as someone who's gone through this uh the baby's born is awesome but the placenta comes after the baby and that is uh everyone's like oh yeah you don't oh you don't feel it it's fine uh in my my wife's experience you feel it it's a lot to to because you have to give a second birth which is to the placenta that comes out so sorry tmi gross and stuff but that is probably what he should have wanted and that would have been a really interesting take on uh wanting the blood that happens from a birth i think yeah yeah uh when you say you know how you would have taken of course the writers for this episode were brad falchuk and manny Cotto, who is our mvp i think from american horror stories um, and we can talk about this at the end but this isn't the first Gaslight episode we've gotten from the American Horror Story universe. Um, of course, we're referring to Baal, which was one of the episodes of American Horror Stories that starred um, Billy Lord uh, that we really liked. And so I, I want to get at the end your sense of how this Gaslight episode compared to that Gaslight episode a little bit. Ooh, I like there. that. I like that. Yeah. I think there's something interesting there. And then the director was John J. Gray, American Horror Story alum, who, of course, directed Cape Fear, which I think was the first episode of this season. So diving into the kind of meat of this episode, we have two storylines that converge at a point. We have the yes. Harry Doris Alma storyline, and we have, of course, the TB Karen and Mickey storyline. I'm going to go through the Doris storyline first, and then we'll kind of revisit the TB Karen one, and, and we'll, of course, touch on the places where they the place where they intersect. But I want to make sure we kind of give each story their due. You know, obviously we said the story starts off with Doris having the baby finally. And then awakens to be back in P-Town, which she had not anticipated. You know, Harry had promised her that they would be out of there. That he would move back. He would be back in New York with Alma. That's where she thinks they'd been. That she would be in Hyannis. But they're back at that same house. Uh, and at the beginning here... Harry seems to authentically be doting on his, his wife at this point and trying to be a good husband, even though he's obviously keeping her in P-Town. Why do you think he had this kind of reinvigorated devotion to his wife? Because he kind of goes on a journey throughout the course of this episode. This reminds me of classic American horror story where the character is just fitting what they want to make happen, to be honest. Because um, clearly at the end of this film, he is a different type of a person. He's decided on who he wants to be. Um I, I do think deep down he he loves his wife and um, they're there and she's come out to support him even though she's she's got a gig while she's doing this that's allowing them to live in that house from the Browns which they're also the mystery still um, so I think I think he does I think we're, like we're supposed to believe that he loves her and he 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 is doting on her because again like he's gonna be a father again and that's an amazing experience and that's wonderful. 
do you think there's like what do you think I think you're right. I mean, I think the way he acts toward Alma when she's kind of the one engineering the stuff behind the scenes, I think he authentically loves Doris. And they clearly have a lot of history. And they've been through a lot because we know that she's had multiple miscarriages and they've kind of been on a journey. And she supported him even when he was, in his own words, an unsuccessful writer and kind of not living up to his potential. Uh, And he, I mean, I think he kind of talks about this more at the end about kind of this vision of himself as a family man. So maybe there's a certain part of him that is still lingering from that time when he was like kind of had himself maybe even you know forced himself to believe that he was really devoted to his family even if that is not who in the end he authentically ends up being so i think that's probably part of it but you know he he, he's still kind of manipulating her at this point obviously because they're not back in new york as she wished they're still there in p-town and they kind of give this what seems to be kind of a bs story about you know the potential for postpartum hemorrhaging and, you know, that they just kind of need to hang out there for a bit. Um, if I'm Doris at this point, I don't know that I would at all be believing that, you know, anything anyone's saying about trying to stay in P-Town after what she's seen there. But at the same time, she's woozy throughout all this. I think we later realize she's been drugged the whole time, which is, you can kind of see that coming. And so she's really not in a state of mind to do anything about it. Right. It's uh, like... I, I'll come back to this multiple times, but um, this is a healthcare problem in the United States of like the time that we give women to recover from a pregnancy and a delivery, or even not even eat, not even well, maybe it's a delivery, but just going through a pregnancy and recovering from that. It's absurd that we can't. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm not trying to be political on this, but but like we should be like other countries where you at least have a year to handle this situation (laughs) because it's a traumatic life thing that happens to your body it's and the fact that they gaslight this woman through the entire thing is so effed up (laughs) right well and of course we get that almost immediately afterward when doris wakes up to hear baby crying can't find the infant opens the door to the bathroom to find alma with her teeth sunk into the leg the baby's of yeah. baby I was Eli. Horrified. I was horrified. Like, this is true horror, like, to me, but also because I have a, ba- or a kid, but, like, oh, my gosh. This is crazy. Like, this is, wow. There's something especially sinister about a child biting into a baby. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, it makes it that much more, not that it would be like, okay, if Harry was the one biting into Eli, but the fact that it's Alma makes it Alma all that much more disturbing to me. Yep. Yep. And clearly Doris feels that way too. She passes out, I think, when she sees this. And I mean, hey, we see Harry getting genuinely furious at Alma. So I think those emotions are real. And I think he does love that baby to your point. And he's trying to I do negotiate that. all these feelings. But he did, um, but uh, I think she does say that the baby's blood is good as a pill. So that's kind of the reason why that everyone's obsessed with babies and getting babies. Right, cuz it's un- I think at some point Bell says that it's untainted by drugs or just like any kind of toxins of life it's alcohol and pure else. blood as pure as you can get. Um I will say that in that scene where Harry is chastising not just chastising, but like tearing into Alma. Her facial expressions are killer. She's a great. That actress. girl is doing yeah. such a good job. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the actors, but she's for a child actor, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So much so, so that I whole... hate her. 
<laughs> yeah, legitimately. Uh, you know, Ursula, of course, plays a role in this. She's helping to facilitate everything, and later we learn that she's oh like working God. with Alma behind the scenes. Auntie Ursula. She's the one who... Yeah, she's really the one kind of orchestrating the whole gaslight thing because, you know, she's up there telling Doris that she dreamed of of Alma biting the baby and is giving her miso soup that is almost certainly laced with something. I mean, it is laced with something, we know. So, uh, you know, she's, again, deathly committed to her, you know, business plan um, of... Harry has 10 deals going on, including including uh, rewriting the next Avatar. So, you know, she's got to keep her, uh, you know, her prize horse in good shape, I guess, by getting his wife out of the picture. I think we, we should also say, like, the definition of gaslighting, if people don't know what it is, it's it's convincing someone that they are thinking crazy or they're convincing them that what they're feeling is not accurate and the accurate version is what they're what the other person is trying to tell them what is actually happening convincing them that they're incorrect and that's the episode is called gaslight and clearly the whole the whole gaslight thing is about everyone doing this to doris Right, and you know that whole term even comes from I think it's like from the 1940s, a movie called Gaslight, in yep. which um, a, a guy gaslights his wife. Basically, he gaslights his wife. I mean, by like I don't I don't remember exactly. I, it's like he I don't remember if it's, he makes her think that the house is haunted or something, but he like makes the the lights flicker as part of this whole brainwashing process, but tells her like he doesn't see it happening. And so that it's like there's literal gas lights is kind of where it originated from. Uh, yes, I want to yeah. say also he convinces. Oh god! No, no, you finish. Oh, is that he's he 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 just convinces her that she whatever she's perceiving is actually inaccurate, and here's what's really happening, and he's telling her that. And again, what you said, brainwashing, exactly what it is. And now that yeah. we know that term, it's used a lot these days. But it is a manipulative uh, tactic that people use in relationships a lot. Yeah, it makes you it make you feel like you're in the wrong state of mind and you're Correct. misinterpreting yeah. things or seeing things that aren't there. Um, I want to say that this also this sequence of the sequence where the violin music is so intense, uh, Alma chugs blood that Harry brings home, and it, I don't know if you caught this, but for a moment when she like is drinking and she puts the cup down, she has this like milk mustache thing. Yeah, from I saw that. The oh blood that is it looks like it looks like a Joker yeah. smile on her. Sarah's face. like, it's ew. Like, I was like, oh, the Joker smile. Oh my god, that's a great reference. Yeah, totally. It's like demonic, it's an, and then of course at the end of it, mm-hmm. yeah. and then at the end of that, Doris finds the teeth marks on Eli, and she knows that they're screwing with her. Right. Yep. yep. And then, of course, we have the scene where the truth comes out finally, and Alma slips Doris a black pill among her vitamins, and Doris starts to freak out because she notices it, or recognizes it from when she saw Harry taking them. Uh, And he tries to cover it up, of course, but Alma is committed to telling her the truth about the black pills. You know, she says, "Um, don't you, don't, well, I mean, Alma's like the master manipulator here. She says to Harry, like, don't you want her to be great, Daddy? And, you know, you don't think she's good enough, Daddy? And it's like, puts him in a very awkward position. Um, yeah, it's, and of course, you know, ultimately she decides not to take the pill. She runs for it with Eli, but outside the pill people converge. 
and Harry saves her and she's again kind of trapped because she's still the world's spinning a little bit she's still on you know these medications and it's she's just not in a good spot Alma's turned out to be the biggest villain so I mean not the biggest villain there's a lot more villains there's a lot of villains in this story but Alma turns out to be such a little shit <laughs> Alma and Ursula are quite the duo of villainous mm-hmm. people um, just zero scruples between the two of them I mean one of them was a child so you can forgive it a little bit so I almost think that makes Ursula a lot worse right um, but so Harry ends up inviting Holden over uh, and we get these great moments of him criticizing Doris's designs as she's coming down the stairs um, you know, Harry says that the plan is to have Holden ghost design the house, basically. Um, and she kind of acquiesces to that. What do you think? Is, is, is Harry at this point, like, did he legitimately just want Holden to design the house? And like, is he trying to just do that nice thing? Or is he trying to convey to Doris that maybe you're not as talent, you're not talented, so don't take the pills? Um, I didn't know if there was like a subtle education moment he was trying to have there or what the impetus was for him inviting Holden over. I, I think it's part of the gaslighting project that's happening. I I, I really believe that. Um, I think I do think Harry's got some uh, empathy for Doris. <coughs> Excuse me. I do think Harry has empathy for Doris, um, and he wants her to not take this on, maybe. But I do primarily think this is part of him wanting her to feel insecure about her her role and so she maybe is motivated to take the pill oh you think she want she's motivating her to take the pill yeah i, I do yeah mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. after when we get to the end of well you know why why you know why would holden be over there is does it really need is there a deliverable on this for the house not really well, that's why, you know, my thought, just playing devil's advocate is maybe there's a part of Harry that realizes that Alma's trying to push Doris to take the pill. And he doesn't want to have to be in a position to tell Doris, you're not talented. So by bringing Holden over and having him kind of... But is it only well, because I, he needs to keep his rent? I mean, that could be a part... Like, totally. Yeah, I mean, it could it be could just be. that surface level it thing. Be. It yeah. could be. It could be. But maybe there's a part of him that's like, maybe if Doris realizes, oh, this like genius designer thinks all my designs are trash. She'll bow out. She'll be like, oh, I'm actually not that talented. I shouldn't take this pill. Even if my daughter comes in and like mm. whispers sweet, nothing's in my ear to get me to take it. Mm. Um, of course, unfortunately, that is not the case. And we get this scene soon after where Alma is just like this snake in her ear, so persuasive. Um, you know, at first it's like you think that Alma's maybe being empathetic and really believes in her mom, but quickly that's determined, no, she's just like this little devil in, you know, on her shoulder. And I don't know, she's so convincing and it's it, it drives Doris to take the pill. And like, you know, of course, Did you think I feel she like we knew at this moment as soon as she took... I was wondering, because, like, we don't, you know, I thought maybe she would, like, Hide pretend it. to take it, and then, That's yeah, what I thought. and then stop. Because she already threw the glass the first, at the first, you know, initiation of it. 
Well, and this is the thing, because it's such a... I mean, and it kind of goes to show that maybe Doris is kind of... She's not as pure a person as TB Karen or, you know, somebody else is necessarily, because, you know, Doris knew the risk. And there was ample evidence to believe she was not talented, or that there was at least a likely... There was a some percent of likelihood she wasn't talented. And she has this newborn baby, and she still decides that at this point in time she's going to take the pill. She could have easily waited until she was i mean like i don't know it just seems like it just shows that her ego was just as bad in my mind as alma's or harry's or anybody else that she was like yeah i have this newer baby but you know the temptation of career success is too important to me at this point to even think about that this is where I'm going to disagree with you, um, and I'm going to introduce a Sarah point here <laughs> that she brought in. <laughs> um, she she said, like, new moms are incredibly vulnerable. Um, you are physically recovering from a traumatic situation that happens with your body. You're 100% exhausted the entire time, and you're like, you wake up, you're feeding your baby, you're changing a diaper you're doing all this shit um and (laughs) this is what sarah said (laughs) you need support from your other people and like that's what helps you get through this including like your husband or your partner or uh your parents or and a lot of of course a lot of people don't even have that and this is why we should applaud um single mothers and what they what they do and what they go through um but (laughs) sarah said like but when your child is a children of the corn, this is a problem. <laughs> That's a very fair point. You know, she, she's not in her right mind. She's being drugged. She's in a position to be manipulated. She's vulnerable. And Alma takes advantage of that. So that's a very fair point. I'm probably being too hard on Doris. Um, and then, you know, we see the spiral of her sketching and she- sketching, but it's not coming together. And I don't know about you, but as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh no, how soon yeah. till her hair starts falling out, you know? Um, and the transformation <sighs> begins with that vomit all over the bed, you know? Um, I thought I thought that, okay, so two, two, two real quick things on that. One is hair loss is a big thing when you, in postpartum, that happens. So I was like, okay, maybe it's just that. Maybe she like did fake taking the pill. Uh, and the second thing, the vomit is like, well, I don't know, maybe. But then, no, it actually is happening. She definitely took the pill. Well, and when you see Mickey and Karen come to the house and like, I really love how they put Doris in the shadows and then she comes forth. It was good. Is balding like that, and it's like, oh no, she it's 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 happening, and then you know she's in a position where she knows it's happening, and there's nothing she can do. She she tries to shave. I mean, she does shave her head, but then like the baby's cries start to incite that bloodlust, um, and she's poised to slaughter the baby. Like it's all of a sudden her her normal sense of anything Ugh. goes out the window, and Harry comes back just in time to save her. And then, of course, Alma and Ursula yeah, immediately yeah. confess that they planned this whole thing. And he's upset, and he, like, takes some time to think it over, but not too much time, because <laughs> he basically comes back, and he's like, you know, all my life, I kind of fooled myself and fooled you and fooled everybody else and saying and using the fa- this idea that I was a family man as an excuse for my lack of career success. 
And what a piece of shit. I, that was a lie. Uh, it was a cover that I made to, you know, excuse why the pieces of content I was putting out previously were not great. And now that I am putting it out, I have to say that, like, I don't care. Basically saying, like, I don't care about my family as much as I said I did. Um, and then he just gets really shitty and it's like maybe this is the maybe this is the less painful way for you to go um instead of having seeing me dating young starlets uh on magazine covers and at that point i'm like oh my god the ego harry is just literally sure let her take the baby and like run back to new york like that's the that is the easiest way to go not like make her die and become some weird thing it's this is where i get a little upset with this (laughs) storyline Oh, he's just such a shit. And I mean, it just goes to show, you know, that his his ego, I mean, was totally out of control. And it's just as everybody ends up taking the pill. And so the scene where they release Doris into the streets like she's a feral animal and we see her start to like oh. arrive like the, the pale people. It's, it's heartbreaking. It, it, is. it is. And then, of course, the episode ends with Alma and Ursula, you know, on their way to the chemists, just noticing Doris in the cemetery feeding on, I think a rabbit, just like Alma was at the beginning of her, you know, transformation. Very full circle. And they just shrug it off. Alma, Alma doesn't care at all. So messed up. So heartbreaking. So So heartbreaking. That's the the end of Doris for us. So that was sad. Let's talk a little bit. Well, first of all, any, any direct or uh, final comments kind of on that storyline before we move on to Mickey and Karen? The only one, like, I, I always thought, like, why doesn't Doris just take Eli, which is what they named the baby, um, and just get the F out of there? Like, why don't, why doesn't she just do that? And she, she, and then we, we hear the night that, uh, Mickey and Karen show up that, uh, Harry said that he took the keys to the car so she can't get out of there. I, I don't understand that really too much because it's so much easier just let her go and get out of there and they can keep like poaching on craigslist dudes or whatever um that's that's the only frustrating part like doris had a way out and but again again she's it's so messed up to ask a woman to do like anything really when she's recovering from having a baby let alone like why aren't you being a good designer right now like why aren't you doing your job right now f off that that's really frustrating and and obviously doris for me in this episode became like one of my favorite characters because she's she's our regular person so the fact that she ended up taking the pill when she was like definitely manipulated and stuff like that was frustrating but i wish that we had been able to see her try to get out at least once and, and yeah. that wasn't able to happen. Um, I mean, she kind of did in, in the fact that like she ran into the streets and was just surrounded by the pale people immediately, but you're right. It wasn't like, I mean, she didn't really have the coherence to formulate a real solid escape plan. Yeah. Oof. So Oof. let's talk, let's talk Mickey. Oh, yep. oh, poor Mickey rolls up in the Lambo. Uh, you know, even though he's now Big City Mickey, uh, you know, uh, owner of the Speed Racer universe, yep. Mach 5. Uh, you know, yeah. orchestrator of the Speed, you know, God behind the Speed Racer, the impending Speed Racer universe, he still remembers 
the little people, his old friend T.B. Karen. He's already looking, um, like, really much more handsome and clean and stuff now. I don't know if you noticed, but he's not looking as weathered as he did in the previous. So makeup team, fantastic job. Well, he's got that money now to, yep. to you know, probably hire a personal trainer and do this and that and take whatever vitamins or collagen or whatever it takes to, to get in there. How, how old is Macaulay talking now? Do you know? I think he's probably 40. He's probably close to 40. Um, let's guess it live. I'm going to say he's 38. What are you going to guess? I'm going to guess 40. Because I remember he was, I think I think he's 40. Because I, I think he was like two years older than me when I was growing up. 41. 41? 1980. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Oh, he's much older than I thought. Well, and that means one year. But, uh, I, again, he's a fan favorite in this series. He's fantastic. But he's looking very handsome and like much more like cool and chill in Hollywood now that he's taken the pill. You're right. He's made a transformation and he he wants to bring Karen along with him. He believes in her. Excuse me. He believes in her. But Karen is not for that price of admission. She does not want to have to hurt people to make her talent I you love know, Karen. have stake in the world. And so she bails on him, uh, just, you know, runs off into the sand dunes. Then, of course, she gets descended upon by Belle. And I will say that, you know, after having seen last episode where we get Belle's backstory, uh, obviously fantastic character, but also like such a dick. Unfortunately, Awful. like Belle became the asshole that her husband was prior to her becoming a talented person. Yeah, uh, I you know when she's just insulting Karen, it's like that painting is like not as valuable as the insect smudged on my windshield or whatever. It was just like crushingly mean for no reason. Um, and of course, Belle wants Karen to go take the gardener's baby, and it's like the payment Karen has to have in order to stay protected from the pale people. There's a part of me that's like, if Karen is like, just get out of there, Karen. Go go to somewhere else. There's a few things in this episode. One of them is the biggest one is like, Karen, why don't you talk to uh, Doris and why don't you and Doris take the baby and get away as opposed to Karen having to go kidnap the baby. And apparently she wants to raise a baby now to make her life worthwhile. That's that, that's a little force. And that, that part I didn't really feel as much. Yeah. But again, all these people just leave P-Town. I know. There's also a part of me that wonders if that's part of the message where it's like it's easy for us to say just leave the place you're from. But even totally. if you look at the whole allegory of this and you talk about like the opioid epidemic and stuff like that, it's easier for us to say, oh, you're stuck in a small town where you're surrounded by other people on drugs. Just get up and leave. But Absolutely. it's not that easy. As you can't just, I mean, you, it's, it's hard to just get up and leave where you're from. Um, you don't. You might not know people other places. I mean, you don't have places to stay. You don't have any money. It's it's easy to it's easy to say from the sidelines, but it's a lot harder to do in real, real life. And I think that's kind of part think, of the allegory of all this. Agreed, and it's fair to say that Karen's getting gaslit by Mickey too, saying like, "You just need to do this, and then you'll be fine." I mean, you know, he's he's not wrong in the sense that she would undergo the transformation and they could have that life, but if there's just a price to pay that she is, you know, not she she has the moral fortitude at this point and like you know, has done enough shitty stuff that she just, like, isn't willing to step over that further edge. Um, you know, back at Mickey's shack, 
you know, she confesses that she's been like, you know, all these times that she's delivered bell babies, it's like, it's already eaten at her conscience, you know, and she just can't take this next step to your point. She's like, she thinks that raising this baby is going to be the answer. And so just begs Mickey to go help her, her do it. And then of course we have that whole part where we see them go. And then Doris is, is transformed and basically Karen doesn't have a chance to even grab Eli because she's so like disturbed by the fact I think there was almost an insinuation that Dor- like Karen maybe had some respect for Doris and didn't ex- didn't think she would take the pill and like her finding out that Doris also took the pill is like I think she shouts something about like even you know basically like everybody there's all you people are you know making these horrible decisions so she runs out into the street gets surrounded by the pale people and Mickey comes to save her briefly but he kind of puts her he manipulates her he puts her in a situation where she has to choose between taking the pill or dying. What did you think of Mickey in this in this exchange and kind of this this whole lineup? This whole this whole situation made me think of: Do famous people want to help those below them once they find success? You know, like Karen could have her pieces featured in whatever Mickey's working on if he just chooses to do that. But he and apparently her shit's really good, but he wants her to take the pill to be like him in order for that to happen. As opposed to someone who's already famous and has success helping people who are up and coming to succeed. So that's that's like like, oh, you need to be in our club before you can actually have success as opposed to let me help people come up like I got helped to come up. So Mickey doing that shows me that he fell into the cult of, uh, you got to be part of this club if you want to be successful, as opposed to let me help those all that who are very talented, which we know Karen is, uh, to be successful as well. So this makes me think Mickey's actually an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he basically, to your point, he falls into that same mindset that like, your only value he's basically saying to her like you'll serve if you have talent you deserve to survive and if you don't or if you even have a moral conscience you deserve to die yeah and puts her in this impossible situation where she's forced to take the black pill which you know worth pointing out and amy and i were chatting about this on facebook like as the episode was airing that she's the first person person we've seen who is basically forced into taking the pill against her will to a certain extent you know she was a means of survival she had to choose, like, her life or taking the pill, which is a horrible mm-hmm. spot to put anyone in. But also... She's forced into a corner. Yeah, and what she do, what she does is the most poetic way out, and I love it. Yeah, well, I mean, do you want to walk us through what happens at that point when they go to the Vista for, for her to paint this masterpiece? Yeah, so they go to the beach, and they spot, uh, I don't even know like exactly who they spot, but they spot someone at the beach, and Mickey's like, hey, there's that's your feed that you need to paint your masterpiece. And uh, she hugs him and says thank you, and then <laughs> chomps on his neck, rips it out, and I called it, I knew it was going to happen, and this is why Karen is my favorite character at this point. <laughs> Um, and then she she puts her um, canvas down and stabs it in to make it a uh, uh, in the sand, paints something that we don't see, which I also love. Great choice. Uh, and then with Mickey's dead body next to her, 
and then she walks in, as she's walking and this is wonderfully shot i thought the the time it's not even a time lapse it's uh it's it's a jump cuts of her walk looking and then her walking and then she's a little further down and she's a little further down and then we see here at the and the entire time this is happening i'm telling sarah i'm like she's gonna kill herself she's gonna kill herself she's gonna kill herself and she goes to i thought she was gonna drown herself but she yeah. very uh i think sylvia plath that's who i'm thinking of right anyway sylvia plath is the one who stuck her head in the oven oh who's the one who drowned who's the poet who or the writer who drowned himself in the lake mm. you're the you're the literature major uh, i know uh virginia wolf virginia wolf thank you but she doesn't do that she because this is an american horror story so she walks to the waves and gets close to them and slits her wrists slits her wrists and walks into the ocean to presumably die because she does not want to become anything that she isn't she believes in herself and she was forced to do a situation that was life or death and she chose to live only to sort of like nip the bud of this tentacle of this pill that is infiltrating a lot of different parts of this community but obviously reaching into like new york city or la or netflix or whatever it might be i thought it was amazing uh, amazing would you like what, what were you thinking during that whole scene i mean look i was i was bummed to lose both karen and mickey in the same sequence when we still have a full episode left but i thought it was incredibly powerful and poignant um, there's a part of me that wishes it was Belle who was dead, but I think there is also just something fitting about like, you know, to the kind of message of this whole season of Mickey having gone through this transformation, having put her in this corner where she had no choice to take it. And then of course her, you know, getting him in return and like in her mind, it's, I think she thinks she's doing him in the world a favor by not having him, you know, put, have, forcing him to like do further morally you know, uh, bankrupt acts and in, in killing people to take their blood and stuff. Because um, you even see, I think, you know, Mickey's attitude is at the beginning of the season when he, you know, when, when we see him in flashbacks and when we see him just at the Muse originally, he's he's kind of a sweet person. He seems like he has a lot of empathy and stuff like that. But at this point, I think even when Karen is like, you know, talking to him about the impossible situation Bell put her in that she needs to go get the baby. He's like, Oh, so what? Just go get the baby. He he's kind of lost that thread of humanity empathy and humanity. And so it makes this all the more powerful that that's kind of the way she goes out here at the end. Um, no, I, I agree with you. Like between this moment and the moment of Ursula and Alma walking past the cemetery and Alma just like shrugging off her mom in the cemetery, chewing on a dead rodent, uh, oh, what an end to this episode. Um, before we review it, I've got a couple questions for you. First one is, what do you think is going to happen to Eli now? Oh, God, I hope he lives. Uh, you know, it's uh, obviously he is our the, the crutch of what's what is going to happen in the final episode. Um, I, I swear to God, if they kill a baby off that we know it's going to be tough to watch. Um, but I think that it's going to be 
this is going to be the test for Harry on is this pill worth it or not for your child. Um, obviously, we're going to see our most villainous characters now, which is Belle and uh, Austin, most and likely. Yeah, uh, come in and try to take that. So we're going to see, honestly, a, a competition between our villains versus villains. We, I don't think we have any like altruistic characters left, do we? No, I mean, like, you could argue that the chemist, you know, is just, obviously the chemist is at fault for a lot of this, but at the same time, the chemist seems, you know, she's conducting experiments. So she's just, she she seems a little bit more distanced from the, you know, from everything else. But, you know, as we saw from last episode, you know, there's a lot of ethical questions about exactly what she's facilitating with making the pills, too. So I think to your point, yeah, um, there's not really any clear innocence left at this point in time. Everybody's kind of uh, done some shitty stuff, and we'll see who ends up surviving and how. Second question for you. We talked about, you know, in American Horror Stories, one of the best episodes of the season. It might have been your favorite episode of that season, or of that anthology wow. season. yeah was an episode called Ball, and it was also about a gaslighting that featured Billy Lord as the one who was gaslighted after giving birth to a baby. Also written by Manny Cotto, I believe. I I believe you're right. Yeah, I believe you're right. How did you feel, I mean, about having two episodes in the American Horror Story universe written by the same writer about a new mother being, or you know, not a new mother in Doris's case, but a mother who just gave birth being gaslighted. Um, I love it because we we know this in Murder House too. Um, this absolutely has sort of happened before. That's of, true. It's kind of a trope in horror stories or horror movies about or TV shows about the a mom or the woman always seeing things that aren't right and being convinced that they're just crazy. This is, this is definitely a trope. So um, to see it explored in this dark of a world um, is really interesting. And um, kind of, and I mean, not to be cliche, but horrifying the way this plays out in, in this episode. So um, I'm, I'm all about it. Um, I remember when we first watched Murder House, talking about Rosemary's Baby and how that movie is one of the best horror movies of all time um, and what the, uh, the mom has to go through with that because there's a whole like cult around it. Same sort of situation here, but in a different context. And I think it's just done really well. I, I, I hate it. I, I really hated this episode in a way that shows me how good it was because I felt so passionately about what was happening. So yeah, I, I, I'm okay with it, even though I hate it. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think there is a world in which this could have felt tired or like we had already done it already and it was recycling, you know, storylines of the past. And it didn't feel like that. It was a different context, a different experience, just as disturbing um and it was it, effective it definitely was like referential like i get that um but 
it, it still felt interesting and fresh. I agree with that. I agree with that. So, uh, what should we rate this this episode with? Mm. So, okay. Uh, I think, I don't want to say babies, obviously, ever. Um, what, 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 well, you pick. What do you think? Mm. We could do... Well, let's do something in honor of Doris. And let's do uh, swatches of gray wallpaper. Beige. Beige wallpaper. Swatches of beige wallpaper. All right. I will say, uh, I'm looking at my notes. Uh, Two points uh, that Sarah made was uh, she thinks tuberculosis Karen takes a pill in desperation uh, and she wants to punish the poor person who forced her to do it, which is very uh, awesome and also um, very feminist. And I love that. Um, she wanted also say that uh, Karen is trying to take control of her own destiny. She was forced in a situation and she chooses to make her own destiny based off of the choice that she was forced to make, which so many women have to do. And it's, horrible that that's the world we live in and we need to change that um but in the end she still gets to make a choice uh about what like her destiny and i love that uh, even though it's horrible what happens um and then she sarah also said like uh moms always try to do the best things for their kids uh, and when the mom is in a delirious mood choices are made that aren't always the best and they're just trying to do the best they can do and so that is i give doris like i doris's fate is so tragic and i hate that but it's also a great horror story for it to end that way um i have a question for you before i give my final grading um one thing that we were talking about is who decides what your talent is? Does it have to be what your career choice was? Or maybe it could be something that you're really good at that you just haven't discovered yet. So like maybe Doris isn't a really good uh, interior designer, but maybe she's just like a really good mom or something. Or does it have to be artistic? Like what if like mathematicians took it? You know, if are they going to be like really good economists and you know do something good like or what if what if what if doris was actually a really good chef or something like that why does it have to be the career choice you've chosen or is that well, here's the flaw? Th- i don't know that we know that's the case necessarily do we and i'll give you an example um lark who is the tattoo artist slash dentist those to me seem like very Slash different practices. vintage shop clothing owner. Yes. Uh, <laughs> dentist and tattoo artist seem like very different practices to me, right. at least, right? One of them is very artistic, and the other is drilling, you know, it's, it's medical. But she talks about dentistry as if it's something she has an innate talent for as well. And it makes me wonder if for the talented people, like maybe... I don't know. You're probably predisposed to be good at certain things that are in like a family of talents, I guess. I mean, so maybe, you know, maybe it's not just the one thing your career is, but like, you know, the same way that like if you were as you were growing up, like maybe, 
you know, you played water polo, right? And like, so maybe, you know, you, you, you there was just, there's signs in your life. Like for an athlete, that, yeah. Yeah, that you like, you, you know that you're like, you're like, oh yeah, if someone were to ask you like, are you good at that? You'd be like, oh, I'm not bad. You have a pre, you have a, an understanding of like what your talent is at something versus what you're like, if you were to ask me like, oh, Tyler, are you good at drawing? I'd be like, fuck no, I am terrible. And so I would know that that's not my talent. So you kind of have a sense of those things on your own level. So maybe, you know, maybe it would manifest for multiple talents if you have them. So bigger picture, if if that pill could tell me what my talent was that I should go into for my career, I would absolutely take it. <laughs> what if it was something that you didn't like? What if it was... Then I would uh, not do it, but I at least would have if, that information. What if it was animal husbandry? Oh, that's cool. But what if it's like <laughs> something awful, like serial killer or something? They're like, no, oh, God, that's what I am. No, no, no. I won't do that. <laughs> well, then you stop that's being the a pill. dark. That's a horror. Anyway, okay. Let me grade this uh, episode. Um, I I think this was one of, if not the best episode I've ever seen of American Horror Story. Um, it felt like a movie. It was fantastic. Uh, kudos to Brad Falchuk and Manny Cotto for writing this and John J. Gray for directing it. I give this 4.75. I think that's the highest I give anything that I've done. And it's a hundred percent like this is, this was a phenomenal episode, even though like, as I've said, I hated it, but it felt like a horror movie and it was just amazing. Well done. What do you think, Tyler? Man, I I think you're you're absolutely right. I do want to say, I, I want to say something else before this is that last week we had mentioned that it would be fun for somebody to go back and look oh at my all God. Of our ratings across all episodes and tally them up to see like you know what our averages were and like from a very uh, dispassionate ratings view what our how we had things. Josh emailed us and literally went through all our old episodes and put them into a spreadsheet. Uh, f- like, so we have Thank the numbers. It w- it's amazing. And I will 100% be pulling those out for our finale episode at the end of this season. Um, when we give, I, I don't want to like let it influence us yet for what we ultimately give Devil Feature as a full season, but it'll be very fun to compare like what you fi- what your ratings are in your mind versus what you actually gave them numerically and stuff like that. So that'll be interesting. Um, For me, this episode was also fantastic. I think that you touched on a lot of the the great stuff. There are so many well-directed moments. The cinematography was good. The tension in the music, the acting was brilliant. Mm -hmm. And it really was the parallel story of these two women who were put in shitty situations where, Mm. you know, they both were, I mean, I want to. I was gonna say like they both had control of their own destiny to a certain extent and had to make it a choice, but like it's not really fair to say that about Doris because she was not in the right state of mind to make a fair choice about her destiny. Uh, but you kind of, I mean, you know, just the same way that Alma and Harry and Ursula manipulate Doris, Mickey is manipulating Karen, and it makes that moment all the more powerful. That like, you know, when you look at Doris hunched over in the graveyard versus, you know, basically Karen going out in a blaze of glory in the ocean. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's powerful imagery. And I think the episode really lands well. I'm going to give it four and a half beige swatches. I don't know that I can definitively say 
It's my favorite episode of this season so far because there's been so many good ones, but it was really good. So that is a really solid rating. Dude, I I kind of almost hope that like I you know, it'd be nice if like this was just the season. And that's how strong this season has been so far. It's been so good that if it wraps up next week, this and that was just it, I'd be like, dude, this is this is might be my favorite season. There's a lot of pressure weighing on Death Valley after this. Yeah, I feel oh, like. yeah. Because yeah. I mean, we'll, of course, we'll see how the finale goes next week. But the way it's been going, I feel very excited. Like, I don't really have the typical qualms I have about how something's going to end. I feel like it's going. It might not be the best episode of the season rating wise, but I feel like it's going to be a solid ending. Whereas, you know, then we're jump starting this little three episode season, and we don't know how it ties together. And I don't know. It could sink or swim. Everything else, but you know, and at that point, at the end, we end up viewing. Death Valley and Red Tide is two separate seasons. I don't know. It'll, there's a lot. There's a lot to tease out over the course of the next four weeks, but I'm here for it. Yep, ditto. Mm. I also want to acknowledge that uh, I, I believe people were posting about this on on Reddit and on Twitter, but it's the five year anniversary of the debut of Roanoke, which is kind of cool. Which was one of my favorite seasons. And it was one too. of both of our favorite seasons. Yeah. And Dan, I can tell you the numbers uh, reflect that, which is, is yeah. funny. <laughs> oh, well, that is our, you know, overview of episode five, Gaslight. You know, uh, as always, we invite you to send us theories, comments, questions to our email at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. But leading up into the finale, we want to know where you all are at and if you are enjoying the season as much as we are. Uh, you know, how you felt about this episode and the storylines that happened here. And, and you can also join our conversation on Facebook, either by commenting on our posts or by reaching out via message. It's facebook.com slash this American Horror Story. And finally, you know, rating us and reviewing us on whatever podcast platform you listen to. We really appreciate that. And we are so, uh, we feel so blessed to have you here um, being part of our uh, little American Horror Story community. Chris, between now and next week, where can people find you? I will be on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. Uh, Tyler, where can people find you? You can find me on those same platforms at TJMoss11. Until next week, folks, happy hauntings. <laughs> <laughs>